Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to um, the discussion today. Uh, we're specifically going to be talking about uh, addiction, self-sabotaging behaviour, um, and just exploring that more deeply, just to, to see what our flavours of sabotage are, and maybe some aspects that you might have necessarily clocked as, as sabotage. So we've got the next hour to um, really explore that in more depth and really encourage you to present any questions that you may have. Um, you know, this is very much an opportunity to make things personal and relevant to what's happening with you in your life and anyone else on this call will be able to relate to that in their own way as well. So please don't hold back and go for it um, with questions or topics or anything that's um, relative to what we're discussing. So I'd love to introduce Lucy Dyhill. Lucy is a parent education and health and wellbeing advocate. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Lovely to be here. Great. And I myself have worked in complementary medicine and also have a background in human resources on a corporate level. So, um, yeah, we look forward to being with you um, for this next hour. So if we look at sabotage, Lucy, what does that mean to you? Ah, oh, sabotage is that fantastic way that... Um, that you think you're on the right track, you think that you've made this amazing decision and you know what's going on and you've made a concerted effort to say, this is going to be my new normal. And then something happens that comes out of the blue that you haven't really um, thought about to try and take you off track. So an example might be you've decided that you are not going to um, get stressed anymore. You're going to allow more time. You're going to be um, more organized. And the first, th first time you're going to practice that is when you're going to leave work on time and not stay late so that you can get home to pick the kids up at their normal time. So, you know, you, you come to, you're just about to finish work, you're tidying your desk and someone comes to you and says, I need this work done. Can you do it now? And it's that bit where you all of a sudden have all the best laid plans and something or someone comes in and says, this needs to be done now. And it's so it's out of your control. But also, Katie, I would say slightly in your control. Is that how you found it? Yeah, and that's the sabotaging aspects because it is and we'll have such convenient excuses as to why we allow the behaviour or activity, whatever it happens to be, and they'll sound logical, they'll sound, you know, justifiable, so to speak, but it actually is complete sabotage just to even nudge us slightly, you know, nudge us off track slightly or not following what's actually needed to support so that you might be agitated and then you have that agitation um, for the rest of the evening if it's in the afternoon, et cetera, or that thing can affect other people, et cetera. So I'd love to look at the subtleties of what sabotage is because we're often used to the not so subtle sabotage, which could be, you know, if you, if you know you drink too much alcohol, you wake up in the morning and you're not going to feel very good so those are the aspects that we could be more aware of or you know if you eat a whole lot of sugar you know you're going to be racy etc but there's a whole different area to tap into it could be as simple as being on a conversation for too long when you know you need to prepare for a meeting etc so even just those few minutes extra is enough just to nudge you slightly so that you're not feeling fully connected to yourself so to speak yes 
Absolutely. And that nudge um, can be as subtle or as obvious um, as as it, it needs to be for you to hear it or not hear it. Mm. Yeah, in the and, sense uh, that you you might think it's not very important and ignore it, and that's the that is the moment that took you off track an hour and a half later. Yeah, so it's exploring what your flavors are in that. I know for me, it might be oh, just I'll just reply to this one next email, or I'll just you know I'll just photocopy this so that I've got that ready, or I'll, I'll just make that quick call, whatever it happens to be. When I fully had a feeling that I need to be focusing on something else or um, that, you know, that preparation's needed, et cetera. So even though it may just be three minutes, that's just enough. So it can be really, really subtle and, and not just the obvious aspects. Mm. Mm. Are there other ways that sabotage can come in? Yeah, so through people, um, the same as we can do that ourselves. Um, you know, it could be that someone's, you know, you might be see a phone call that comes through and you can feel that's going to need some extra time, whoever it happens to be on the other end of the phone, or it might be a conversation that you feel is going to be a bit needy or draining, etc. So again, it's your response. When do you respond to that phone call? You know, is it taking it then and there, which then may have a repercussion? or sensing what's needed with that and then choosing to call them, you know, in your lunch break or later, et cetera. So just as we can do that to ourselves with our flavours of sabotage, um, sensing when that's coming from other people just to nudge us off track as well. So it sounds to me like it would be really worth setting expectations and letting people know what your parameters of work are so or so that the expectations are clear for example I have childcare that I need to um, pick up therefore I have to I have to leave at five o'clock so if we are going to have a meeting or you do need to talk to me please make sure that it's before 4 30 or if it's six o'clock you have to leave that you allow time and that the people who you're working on your projects with know the parameters of your your availability so that their bad organization doesn't actually impact on yours mm. and what i really sensed when you're talking then lucy was yeah how much are we respecting what is needed to support because people will impose or dump on etc if we're not if we're not living that ourselves and it's not talking about perfection here and there needs to be a certain amount of flexibility absolutely but to what level just do we, you know, be that fixer person, always available, always responding then and there, then that sets an expectation from others um, to continue that behaviour more so. Because you'll know there's people that, um, you know, they, they in the office example, that they just don't get those requests, et cetera. And it might be, why are people coming to me for that all the time? Or, you know, I'm just as busy, et cetera. So it's going, well, how am I being with myself so that that sets that foundation that you're talking about with a certain amount of flexibility, but not to the stage where it's stressing you or draining you or that you're not able to complete what you know is important to complete that day. So it might be ensuring that there's more than one person in your team who knows how to do something so it might be about upskilling someone else in something that you do so that you're not the most important person or the only person who can do that and 
you know, sometimes there are things that only we can do, but more often than not, there, there is that ability to share uh, skills and so that we empower a team and therefore can make sure that we could leave on time. That, that's a possibility too, eh? I think that's really effective in business management um, and, and that's where stress, that can really reduce a team's stress level is that you have that contingency plan that it's not just totally relying on one person or if there's a bottleneck that continues to be happening to assess that and go, okay, well, what, what are some other ways? How can we structure this a little bit differently? And, and you can manage that within your own role, which sets an example as well, or even take that to management um, with suggestions because you're in that role, you're seeing what's happening, you're seeing what's impacting you. So these are definitely everything we're talking about. They're subtle layers of sabotage, anything that's causing a bottleneck, anything that's causing stress, etc. It's just looking at what's contributing to me feeling this way and what other opportunities are there. Fabulous. Fabulous. The other one I felt was claiming your your space in the, what you're going to say no to and what you're not going to say no to, that there's an owning of your own decision-making here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose if we really pull this apart, we, we can say, well, why do we sabotage? Because it doesn't really make sense. If we know it causes stress, it causes um, a repercussion that's not positive in our body, etc. But then if we look at that and if we're honest with ourselves, we'll have that aspect of ourselves that wants to support, which knows, you know, what does support. And then there's that other aspect of ourselves that just goes, you know what, I've had a big day, I need a bit of a reward and not actually assessing is that reward going to support us, be it food, be it checking out in front of TV at night for too long when you really should be in bed. Um, you know, that that kind of uh, voice, so to speak, or that impulse where you go, look, I know that doesn't support me, but you know what? I'm just going to do it. And mm. then the more we get in relationship with that, the more we're actually going to see what our flavours of sabotage actually are because they can change. They can change with your age. They can change with your circumstances. Um, if you've been single and then you go into a relationship, even though you may really want to be in a relationship, there's still sabotage that can come in to affect the intimacy in that relationship. Um, or, you know, with our kids, we absolutely want to be a good parent. But then, you know, what are the behaviours that come in to sabotage us being that that parent that we want to be? So it's no different to like a two-year-old, you know, when you're having to discipline, you're having to set a good example you know that everything in their body from a cellular level wants wants to support. They don't like being in trouble and they don't like not being um, respected, etc. But we've still got that in us as adults here. We're not necessarily living in a way because it can be more subtle. We're, we're good at masking it to go, yeah, what? Yeah, how am I sabotaging myself? Or, you know, what's getting in the way each each um, new year? I might set myself goals, etc. And then the next year I'm still in the same place, etc. So um, I've definitely been working with this lately and I'm seeing things that I didn't even realise was sabotage, which is super cool. Yeah, it, I, I'm learning from, from what you're sharing right there in terms of relationships and how um, they can you can not see them as related. So something can happen uh, on one day and then a week later, this, that that can have laid a foundation for something a week later to to come in and 
and disturb us. Yeah, and anything that um, we avoid, it cycles back, doesn't it? That's what I was sensing from what you're saying is that, you know, if we're avoiding having that conversation with our partner or with our colleague or with our manager, the tension that that builds, that is a form of sabotage because mm. you're then having to live with something that's not resolved or something that hasn't been expressed, that hasn't been brought up so you can actually both go to a deeper level with either working together or in your relationship or with our kids or friends, no matter what it happens to be. So if we're not responding to that day-to-day -day tension that's actually showing us something needs to be dealt with, then it's deliberate, and even though it might be subconscious, sabotage because it's adding a layer of stress that you've got to work with day by day by day, and then you take that to your sleep as well because it's, it's unresolved. And it doesn't mean that you have to get a re resolution. It's more if you're sensing you need to address something and you don't. It doesn't matter if the other person agrees to you with you or not. At least you're doing your bit with what you can feel from your body and providing the opportunity there. And that in itself reduces your stress. You know, I can't help feeling a practical sense. example might be really good here. So um, I can only think of one around the home. So perhaps you might be able to think of one around the office. but. Um, if you are coming home and your teenagers might have been home for a little while before you and then you get in and what you're in you're expected to make the dinner or you might be expected to um, uh, come in and, and then do a whole load of preparation for the evening from when you get home but if everybody has been home and you walk in and everyone's on television devices doing their own thing and having a great time but the dishwasher hasn't been unpacked the um the stuff in the sink there's food left out on the surfaces if you don't have that conversation that just builds up in you and and is is something that sabotages the relationship because you are not having the conversation that you need to have therefore you go to work stressed, you can't you you dread coming home because there's so much to do and it builds and it builds and it builds and then there's a massive explosion but actually it started two months ago mm. and then it doesn't provide opportunity for change so you you know that's where often people will go oh well that's teenagers but that behavior isn't necessarily teenage. It's just that a lot of kids that age may be doing that behavior. But everyone knows, you know, what, what a supportive environment is, et cetera. So if it's not addressed, then it does become teenage behavior, so to speak, um, because so many of those conversations aren't ha happening. And we could, we're, we're talking about teenagers at the moment, but that can be exactly the same in the workplace because um, you start to feel your arrangements in your relationships as well. And it might be that, you know, someone at work is going to react if you bring it up. So you avoid bringing it up, whatever it happens to be up. Yeah. And then you've got that tension day to day to day, but it's not providing an opportunity for them to change. And then you're getting the repercussions of what's not right or what's, what's not flowing. Um, but it doesn't give them an opportunity to shift and that tension's still there anyway, and it'll come out in a reaction in one way or another. Mm. So, you know, sometimes it is just just going there 
and um, sharing what's needed, etc. And then you can sense with whether someone's open to it or not. But it is it is a, absolutely a form of, of sabotage to effective the effectiveness in business or in our relationships on all different levels. So there's a level of comfort, isn't there, that goes along with not speaking up because that seems to be that seems to be what we're talking about right now is is when you speak up about something that doesn't feel right or do you you know that something needs to be said but you don't say it there is a there is a it's, it's almost like um a, an abdication of your responsibility but then that's a self-sabotage because you're you're setting yourself up to actually dread that meeting every time it comes around and that person's going to be in the room with you you sabotage yourself before you even before you even get in the room and in the meeting because you're going to have a whole load of issues that you want to say that are building up so when you finally do speak up potentially it's going to come with a, a, a tsunami of other mm -hmm. stuff that actually wasn't related when you finally open your mouth yeah spot on and then we're not actually getting away with anything so we think we're avoiding or not having to feel someone's reaction but we're actually feeling it because exactly like you said it comes out in our body language in our expression or someone might just have a feeling that person doesn't like me um, because there's something there that that very much can be felt tangibly um, so it's yeah it's a big one isn't it and i was just thinking i suppose if we look at um our relationships um be it with a with a partner husband boyfriend girlfriend whatever that happens to be how we can you know we can know each other's soft spot spots so to speak um so there's either an avoidance of going there or you know having that conversation setting a framework within your relationship that there's more of that openness or you know, developing a, a space where you can both feel safe to um, take things to deeper levels as well because otherwise it's, yeah, that, that affects not only us but, but our kids and, and being role models. Um, you know, if we've got an, if we're avoiding things, kids can definitely sense that. Mm. Yes, kids are more honest. They're, they're going to say it. If, if you're mm. avoiding something, they're likely to go there. Whereas mm. someone, someone in a meeting is likely to not go there. They're just likely to leave the room and moan to someone else, in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I suppose also it's great to look at, well, how do we support each other in that sabotage? Because mm. um, I know when my husband was trying to give up chocolate, and I, I don't eat chocolate, but he'd you know, buy a bigger block and then come home and say, oh, do you want some chocolate? And you sure you don't want some chocolate? Mm -hmm. no I don't want some chocolate and keep asking me so then it's to the point where it's like how many times are you going to ask me so you know it, it doesn't make sense on so many levels but he knew that you know if, if I was more consistent with that then that's a marker for him to feel where he was sabotaging and it just happened to be with chocolate but you know we're, we're quite tricky or even with kids you know if they're doing something a bit naughty and they know they shouldn't you try and rope other people in so that you know you're not just the one and if you're going to get in trouble that shares it around etc so it's great to and you can be playful with it too uh, as we were with the chocolate just to say you know do you realize that you do this and and this is what happens etc so what if we start supporting each other more to um you know point out 
um, when we're, we're doing those behaviours. So, yeah, we've, we've been exploring that. It's been really supportive. I really like the picture you've got for the this episode, which is, you know, gazillion cupcakes with a, a mouthful out of one of them, because there is an, um, you know, when we when we find we've got self-sabotaging behaviours, the chances are there's a, an addiction underneath it. So we've got to take a step back and say, OK, if I keep sabotaging myself, what is it that I need? out of what I'm doing, what is what is it helping me do that means I don't want to let go of it? Because if mm. you can start to understand why you're using the behavior, why you're eating the food, why you're, um, you know, watching TV and as much as you said, I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock, you end up still sitting there and fact asleep on the sofa at midnight. If you can understand why you're doing what you're doing or avoiding what you want to do, then it just opens up a whole world of freedom that that means you actually have the potential to choose differently. Whereas if you just use your willpower to say, I won't do that anymore, you're setting yourself up for failure because your willpower will crack and you will you will give in to that cupcake that's sitting there talking to you um, from the tea urn. Yeah, I love it. Absolute gold what you're offering because, yeah, and that's why so many people struggle with diets. Um, diets not working in themselves in that sense, or they'll get to a certain point because it is founded on the motivation from willpower. But it does open up a whole new level when, when it's like, well, why am I craving that? Why tonight? Or am I thinking about what I can have after dinner, dessert-wise, etc.? Whereas last night didn't have a single thought about having dessert so it's going back into your day to go what you know what wasn't right so then I'm craving sugar now and ultimately when we have sugar then we're not having to feel certain aspects so you know it has a very quick effect in the body and it could even be that yeah you went to bed too late the night before or it could be how you were working was very task oriented of, of just focusing, completing, 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 and you weren't necessarily nurturing your body. You maybe didn't have the breaks you needed to go to the bathroom, get water, whatever it happens to be. So when we're feeling those those thoughts of, of wanting to have, wanting to sabotage basically, that, that's great, Lucy. It's looking back to go, well, what is contributing to this? Because that's more a side effect of something else that's happened. There is a physical reason and there's a psychological reason. And it, it just is so good to spend time and work out, you know, what is my, why do I psychologically want to do what I'm doing? And then also there is sometimes a need to address a, a physical dependence on something. Mm -hmm. um, sugar is a really great example of some of of a, a substance that's in highly addictive. So to try and come off that needs a stepped approach. You can't just stop it because the chances are you're pretty tired, and so you're using the sugar to keep you awake. And therefore, if you stop it altogether, you will be asleep at your desk. You won't be able to concentrate. There are withdrawal symptoms to consider here. You know, you can't go into a meeting and not be clear and, and, and on it and ready to go. So there is, there is so much love that you need to bring and self-care that you need to bring to a, to a um, 
you know, a plate that's looking at self-sabotaging behaviors. Yeah, and the many different flavors that that comes in. Mm. It just, it's quite diverse, isn't it? So I just wanted to open up and just ask for those participating, um, share with us what, what, what are your, what have you connected to during this conversation? What can you see um, are aspects that are very sabotaging? Um, have you got anything in particular uh, that you'd like to, to bring forward um, as to your personal experience with sabotage? Any addiction? Yeah, tell us about your addictions. <laughs> <laughs> One that I've definitely been feeling lately is um, I'm not really into social media as such. And then this pull before going to bed just to check check social media real and it's just like why that's that's not been something that I've done but I know when I do that then I'm not bringing a level of care that I know my body actually needs in preparing for bed mm. so it's um yeah it's just really interesting just to go why why suddenly is there this pull to want to go and look at that at this time of night when really I need to be in bed I was reading a um a, a paper a um, a research paper just yesterday about how people change their patterns of behavior, how to sort of address a diet when a diet doesn't work or the yo-yo of a diet. And they were talking about the relationship we make between two things. And I feel that that's part of what you're talking about here. So, for example, when you are sitting at your desk for a very long time and you go and make a cup of tea, if you're very used to having a biscuit with that cup of tea, you are um, you know that when you leave your desk and walk to the um, kitchen area, you are you know what you're coming back with. You're or you're planning it. It's it's just it's part of your makeup. You're heading down there. You know what your routine is. So part of the way to to look and address that is to change your routine. So walk a different way to the kitchen or walk a, um, come and sit down in a different way or use a different cup so that your whole body and the movements of your body change so that you are able to consider a different choice when you finally get to the place where you're going to decide whether you're going to have your, your biscuit or not because you've there's a different body been taken there. And I thought that was quite an interesting thing to play with. Yeah, definitely. And how often we're just in autopilot mode um, as well, rather than, you know, just letting us connect, sense what's needed and follow through. So it's, it's easy. It's like I get up in the morning. This is what I do. This is what I do next. This is what I do after that. But what if your day actually entails different aspects so you might need to prepare in a different way for that day too. That, that's mm. a form of sabotage, not, not sensing what's actually needed. And, um, you know, it could be as simple as you just normally go to the cupboard, grab whatever is in front of you, et cetera, or do we allow that deeper care that when you're selecting your clothes for the day, what colour shirts do you feel like wearing? What kind of fabric do you feel like having in your skin rather than that autopilot approach to actually, you know, we've got options all the time. And, you know, how you feel one day might vary to another day. Yeah. Uh, look, I just think it's very, I think it's so important to have some, um, just just that moment of what what are my choices and how much choice do I have? And, you know, can I change it up a little bit? Can I drive home a different way? Can I walk up the stairs rather than take the lift? 
Hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of to go for lunch. Sorry. No, absolutely, because there's a lot of our day that has a certain structure to it. Um, and in our jobs that has certain requirements. So you can feel, you know, there isn't much choice in that, but there, there is many different subtle choices that you might might not think are making a big difference, but they absolutely do. And, um, you know, just even if you're, if you're presenting one day or if you're holding a meeting, et cetera, you know, what exactly what, what clothes are going to support you rather than, oh, that, that shirt's clean, I'm just going to grab that. Um, or exactly as you say, Lucy, I drive this way to work every day, but you know, are you actually feeling which way to drive to work? And and that might support you better with traffic and all those different factors as well. So, being on autopilot is definitely a form of sabotage, and you know, most of us would fall into that. Um, and often, you know, when when you've had a busy day and you go home from work, do we greet our kids in autopilot? Or do we consciously go, you know what, I'm going to be present, I'm going to listen, even though I've got dinner to prepare, I've got the house to clean, I've got to help with assignments, whatever it happens to be, you know, am I, am I actually available? And all those things, yes, they matter, but not, not at a compromise to actually being there, connecting, even if it's a few minutes that you're with your kids, that you're connecting with them that makes up for hours of so-called quality time because they can feel you're actually listening and you're actually present. That's very true. Um, top tip, I, I talk to a lot of teenagers and um, the, the thing that they say to me the most, and this is from year seven all the way through to year 12, is that their parents don't actually listen. They think they're listening, but they're not actually listening. And that was really humbling for me because, of course, I think I'm an amazing listener um, to, to suddenly go, I wonder if if I actually can go to a, a more conscious way of listening to you. Perhaps this is your way of saying to me, adults in general aren't very good at listening. And maybe rather than get defensive and say, well, I'm really good at listening, I could say, OK, well, maybe there is a better way. Maybe I'm addicted to always coming up with a solution and perhaps my addiction needs to be addressed by going what if I just sit on my hands keep my lips shut and use my ears my two ears rather than my one mouth to um, to be present in this in this situation so what are our addictions they might be subtle ones rather than the really obvious ones yeah, I totally relate to what you're saying. I do feel, you know, as, as adults especially, we're poor listeners across the board and not allowing that space to really just listen because we're so quick to come in with the solutions because we're not wanting to feel the tension of maybe of what's being offered or what's being discussed. So to, to alleviate that, um, you know, straight into the solutions focused or even that saves time if you're rushing, et cetera, um, but then how are we actually developing uh, or offering a space to develop our kids when we are in that solution mode? I'd love That's to offer another one. couple of addictions, actually. Thing is, we haven't got any offerings from our uh, from the listeners. What about um, being addicted to stress? So as much as you say you're stressed and you want help, how addicted are we to actually not not changing? Mm. And, and the same with anxiety as well, um, you know, and, and living in your nervous system. 
not liking that feeling and because it, it's a tension, but it's just been a way of living with life that becomes so common and so normal. Um, not then not even realizing that we are, you know, so used to that, etc., or addicted to that. So even if there's no drama in our life, starting to create drama, starting to create issues or magnifying things so that there might be something we can work with, but then it gets magnified. So it's this huge issue which we focus on. That's that's big. Yeah. And that, again, will come from us listening to our own way of communicating in how much drama we talk about and how we've always had, oh, the worst weekend or, oh, my gosh, you can't, you won't believe what happened to me. You know, we can hear maybe the way we speak or maybe we... Maybe we're addicted to not standing out, in which case we might say, oh, no, your voice is quiet. You don't want to disturb anyone. You're constantly apologizing. That we have maybe addictive behaviors that um, sabotage us in our in our movement through the corporate world and might, you know, just just in our in the way we are in general. Mm. So it's a good opportunity just to have a few moments now to reflect, maybe jot down, that's often quite handy, um, what what your flavours of sabotage are, how you see it in your relationships, whether it is, you know, focusing on aspects like we've just been talking about that then become issues, et cetera, even if it's something that you might be very capable of dealing with. And then seeing if there happens to be a pattern with that, that day to day, you know, you might wake up, things are fine, and then suddenly you'll have something to focus on as, a, as an issue um, versus when you're feeling that aspect starting to magnify, just step back, reflect on it and go, actually, you know, what, what's needed here? And it might be something that just needs to be addressed then and there so it doesn't become this big issue or looking at it from a different perspective as well. And just to yeah have a look at what's causing you stress at the moment, what's distracting you at the moment, which varies from person to person with, with what's going on for us at the time. Mm, very good. Well worth jotting a few things down. And the more we start to do this, then the more we're able to see those patterns in other people as well. Um, so it's just like a family if you're living in that um, anxiety or nervous tension, so you come home and it's quick, got to do this, 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 you know, next, 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 rather than providing a bit of stillness or time to unwind, etc. It kind of gets a little bit contagious too. Um, so I started to, you know, look at myself and what those flavours were and then I was able to see the kids that had adopted a few of those um, unsupportive things as well but it wasn't until you know we start to work on it ourselves that then you can provide a space for them to choose something else too yeah there's a real role modeling isn't there that I'm hearing you talking about Katie that we can focus on the self-sabotaging behaviors and the addictions um, but that's what we then mentor to the people around us whether they're in our team or in our homes and our families, that there is an opportunity to bring 
um, a refreshing level of honesty that isn't about saying that you're going to be perfect and you're never going to do something again, but a, but a an ability to just be open to looking at at, at what your list might de be, might what might you might have jotted down on your piece of paper as things that actually are possible to change, but things that you can see are sabotaging what you want out of your day to day. So for me, it might be actually, I would like to make sure that I don't feel rushed. How do I not feel rushed all the time? Okay, so maybe my planning is is not right. Maybe it's the short term, the medium term or the long term planning. Not just saying all my planning is wrong, but look at what part of my planning. Where are the long term meetings I'm putting in? Where are the medium ones and where are the last minute ones that are coming in and actually putting the stress on on my diary and on me and perhaps on on other people? Um, and and also recognizing that sometimes the the planning is uh, where you can really lay some seeds that give you space in your day to to not change them. Mm. Yeah, rushing is is huge. Um, but just even <laughs> even if it's five minutes or so that you you know you should have um, been somewhere. Know, five minutes earlier etc and then how you've got to kind of work with yourself to steady yourself if you're feeling rushed um, and I think yeah. in today's modern world you know if time was a, a commodity that you know, we could purchase it would be uh, highly sought after because people are feeling so time poor yeah and and we've had a, um, a question about asking how do we truly change sabotaging behavior such as living constantly in nervous tension it's such a good question because that word tension is what you want to spot you want to spot that there is a tension and and that is almost the very first step to recognizing that something you know that something's going wrong so um if i give the idea of that diary katie can you have a think about what what you might say, you know, in terms of what your experiences. For me, it was it was actually saying I, to start off with, I do not want to live with that nervous tension all the time and doing an audit, which takes time. So you need to just create that space within your your day. It might be it might be um, two hours, one afternoon where you take yourself off and you sit in a room and you've got a big piece of paper around you and you start looking at what you've committed to and then you start looking at some priorities around what is a priority, your high, medium and low priority. What can only you do? What could someone else do? What could you skill someone else up to do? And start looking at, at what you really want to commit yourself to and what actually you could potentially pass to someone else so that you give yourself space because with space, you will address some of the nervous tension that you've taken as normal. Mm, love that practical approach. Really helps to break it down, doesn't it? And I suppose it's I the find, yeah. Sorry. No, go for it. I find breaking it down is the only way to do it because the overwhelm and the nervous tension comes from it being too big and it feeling too big to manage. 
So if I can break it down into bite-sized pieces, then I can address it in even smaller bite-sized pieces, at which point I start understanding how on earth I got to live with so much nervous tension because mm, you can see yeah. the build-ups. Mm. And that, that's beautiful, Lucy, because it can feel so big and because so many people, like it's really an epidemic. If I look at mm. clinic and um, um, sessions, you know, there, there's rarely a person that doesn't say I'm feeling anxious or especially um, overwhelmed or time poor um, at the moment with how we're all living. So, you know, it's um, a significant aspect and also realising that often with anxiety or overwhelm or anxiousness, it can be a behaviour that um, we've been brought up in as well. So you mightn't see it in your parents when you were young, um, but definitely, you know, as you get older, you can start to see those traits in your parents. And, and it is something like we were saying before, it can be infectious, so to speak. Um, that you're seeing an adult when you're little respond in a certain way so it becomes a learnt behaviour too. Mm. And then even just that, realising it, because I, I, I started to see it and my mum won't mind me saying that, um, she stayed with us recently and I didn't realise how anxious she was. And um, we started talking about it and I said, you know, mum, that, that's those everything you're feeling, those are symptoms of anxiousness. And she was saying, oh, I didn't really think I was an anxious person, but it was quite significant. And through the conversation, she started to feel more the anxiety there. And then, as you said, when you're feeling that tension, that's when you can really work with it. That's gold. Because if you just think it's you and you think that's how you need to be in life, you know, how can we change that? How can we offer another way of living with ourselves? Mm. So it's like, what's your relationship with that tension that you feel? And I wanted to ask everyone with the list that you had and when you were jotting down what your flavours of sabotage were, how did you react to that? You know, did you give yourself a hard time or did you not like exposing yourself in that way? Um, did it make you feel uncomfortable? Did you have a judgment in of, you know, of any type? Because that, that's what's been capping us to see more of the sabotage. And really, it's extremely liberating to, to work with yourself this way to go, you know, I don't, I don't want to have that tension on. I want to be in relationship with myself so that I can really start to drop the criticism and the perfectionism and, and realise that all of that that you're feeling is actually gold because then mm. you can start to work with it. Oh, it's so beautiful. We have to be so kind to ourselves um, to to support ourselves because when you feel that you want to address it, you actually have to look honestly at how much you've fed it. Um, and that can be really humbling because personally, and I can only share from my personal experience, um, I really wanted to blame everybody else for creating this drama in my life. Um, and, you know, some of I work with young people predominantly and, uh, you know, a lot of them, you can see them creating these dramas and these problems for themselves, but they're blaming their parents. And when I work with the parents, they're creating a whole load of drama for themselves, but they're blaming the children. And you know, I could see that I had done the same you know, in my life. So it's it's that ability to go, okay, hold on one second. I am far more powerful in my life than 
actually I've given myself credit for, have far more control, and therefore I can turn that into, into being the change that I want to see in my life. And that's very empowering. It's very, it's very beautiful, but we need to hold our hands when we first come to that realization because it can be a slightly um, unnerving place mm. to start. Yeah, and to to start to see, well, that's the only way for us to heal. Mm. It's like we either avoid it and we stay in that, you know, judgment place towards ourselves, or not wanting to be honest. But what, whatever we're not allowing ourselves to feel, then we can't actually work with it. We're we're in a stubbornness and we're being held. And I, I just keep feeling, you know, if if we happen to be parents or carers or whatever that happens to be, or even as a role model in our friendships. Um, someone's got to go first with that too. And I remember when um, I met someone who was very honest with herself that way and, and very much working with the what wasn't her um, and, and there was no judgment there and I, it was awesome because I, I went, yeah, I want that. That's beautiful. I can feel, you know, what she's offering herself in that. So as far as parenting, you know, you're doing it in the way that's actually a lived experience and then it isn't an extra extra chore to have to offer these things to your kids because you're just you're offering that just you and yourself in your day to day. There's nothing there to teach. They get to see that. Yeah, that's it. And you know, one of the wonderful things you about this parents at work. Lisa? Yeah, one of the wonderful things about this parents at work program mm. is the support that's available through parents. I'm not sure at if work. the line's cut out for everyone, so I'm just going to um, keep talking. But um, with the question that you asked, Lucy, previously, um, when you're talking about nervous tension and um, your experiences with that, when I reflect on when I started feeling more of that nervous tension in my body, um, I just started asking, well, what, what am I reacting to? You know, what, what's the trigger here? And you, you can learn a lot from that as to, you know, what you've absorbed from other people, the environment you're in, so it's not necessarily just how you are with yourself, but how you're reacting to your environment, what's going on, um, if there's tension in others, et cetera, all of that, if you're absorbing that, is directly impacting your nervous system. So it's a way of sabotage in itself if we are being affected by everything around us rather than developing that relationship with ourselves, so that we're able to hold steady in that more and observe what's going on around us rather than absorbing it then, you know, you're going to be a lot more present as well. Can you hear me now, Katie? Yep, you're back. <laughs> um, what I was um, going to share was that this Parents at Work program is pretty cool because there are all sorts of areas that you can get support for um, so many aspects. And I just wonder, this is just one of many things that your company might be offering you. But really investigate where you can, who's supporting who with what, and what you can try out. Because we do think that we do it all on our own. And um, we might think that no one can understand our point of view or where we're coming from, or ours is more complicated than everyone else. But if we actually go out there and see what's available, then we might be really surprised. And it might be something that the company already pays for that you can have access to. And again, mm -hmm. by you showing you doing it, you inspire other people to go, you know what, I could do that. 
I've seen the changes in you. They're amazing. Just listening to you mention support, Lucy. I mean, that's that's a great flavour of sabotage. And and I've heard this from many people just, um, you know, saying, I'm, you know, I just don't have support. And that may be true on one level, but how are we setting things up so that we don't feel that we've got the support? Because how open are we also to um, accepting support? Does it have to come from certain people that we feel safe for that support to come from? Are we opening ourselves up to um, having support from areas or people that um, we may not have approached, etc.? So that that in itself is is definitely a sabotage to feel that you have to do it yourself, that you have to do it the hard way, that it's only you, etc. And that's why I loved when you were talking about you know doing that list and of, of everything that could be overwhelming well how much of that do you actually have to do yourself can you get support from others with those aspects and there'll be a little voice that'll go no I've just got to do it myself or no you know no one's going to be able to do that or I don't really know if I trust someone to do that and that's quite revealing in itself just to break that down a little bit because it's setting we are actually setting ourselves up to feel as though we've got no support yeah, brilliant. The, the support, the support questions, a really big one, a really big one. It, it, I was talking to a couple of young people the other day about um, issues they were having in their their lives, and they were. I had a, an image of them thrashing about in water, and you know they were feeling like they were drowning. And I've seen this with parents as well. It's like I just don't know where to start or how to get in control of this, and then. Um, but because they were thrashing about so much, they actually couldn't see or feel that they were in the shallow end and or they were near near the shore and they, all they needed to do was stand up and just feel that the ground was there to support them, let alone the people that were the lifeguards that were standing around but couldn't get close because there was so much thrashing around. And it was when I explained it to them in that way, they actually realized that if they just surrendered a little bit to not reacting quite so much, then the support that was there could actually come and find them or they could find it. Um, that, that there was a responsibility to stop thrashing around first. Hmm. Yeah, and not, not being in it, you've actually got to pause so that you can see another option. Hmm. Hmm. So it just, um, it just goes to show, doesn't it, the many flavours of sabotage um, and how, you know, how they've kind of dominated to, to a much greater extent than maybe what we'd first been aware of. Yeah, because I thought we were talking, I mean, I thought about sabotage, I thought, oh, diets and food, um, <laughs> but, you know, relationships <laughs> fit in there. Yeah, they are the easier ones. They're they're more in our faces, aren't they? And We're I'm getting sure to we the nitty gritty here, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can pretend it's all about a diet, but that's just such a furphy. It's such rubbish. We've got yeah, to go yeah. into relationships. We've got to go into that relationship with others, with our family, mm. and with ourselves, and um, really just embrace the whole potential of even looking at this topic and what mm. could come out of it. Mm. And I think neediness also comes in um, as, as quite a 
flavor of sabotage as well. And it can be very, very subtle, so not that obvious neediness, but it might just be that, you know, when you feel something, you'll want to pick up the phone and always go to one person to talk about it. And it could be that that one person actually is able to be objective and offer some good advice, or it could be that that person you're going to is propping you up so that you can feel better in that moment versus going deeper with yourself to explore what had just happened. Mm -hmm. And hello, <laughs> I can so relate to that one. And how often do we go and ask the people that actually we've got maybe two people that we could ask and we go to the person who's going to say exactly what we want to hear yes. because if we go to the other one they might say what we don't want to hear which might actually be the one that makes the change that means that we don't have to uh, experience it again oh my goodness that mm -hmm. is yeah that's Patrick a bit of an awkward. yeah yep. total setup <laughs> yeah yeah and we're so com we're so complicit in it it's an awkward turtle yeah. moment yeah, absolutely. So I suppose that, that's a good one that we can start exploring a little bit more. Because, yeah, what, what, what are your go-tos in, in moments of stress or when you felt hurt by, by someone? Um, you know, can we can even look at our relationship with our kids. Is there, if you're feeling a certain emotion with yourself, will you want to have a conversation with one child, let's say, um, because you can go into fix-it mode and then feel better um, within yourself or... Um, what, that, what that happens to be rather than having, as you say, just that awkward moment of going, okay, what have I just learnt now? What has that interaction shown me as uncomfortable as I'm feeling? What didn't I express? What did I hold back with? Um, or what did I take personally when actually maybe it wasn't personal at all, but because of whatever hurts happened previously, that's come into that discussion with that person and maybe we thought they looked at us funny or raised their voice, et cetera, but maybe other stuff's coming into it. So it's a, that's a big sabotage one in itself. Yeah, we have huge expectations um, with the, when we're talking or listening. We, when we're talking and we're sharing, we have a picture of what we sound like and we think that we're clear as anything. We think we're we're very clear about how we're feeling. We think we're very clear about how we're asking. But in fact, it's about how the message and the question and the request is received. And we don't know what the receiver is hearing and seeing and connecting to because we don't know what's gone on in their life before they've got there so just as on Facebook we can put up put up this amazing front of being fabulous and great and feeling fantastic but behind the scenes there might be quite a lot going on when we're sharing with someone we might think that we're sharing with someone who's got all the time in the world because they're so organized it looks great but behind that facade they may be just holding it together and you wanting to talk for 20 minutes or half an hour about something that is in their minds much less serious than what they've got going on in their lives might mean that you get a response that is blunt or unkind or um, short, sharp, and certainly not what you expected. And it, you might then go, oh, well, you see, that's why I don't ask for help. But you mm. haven't discerned how you know, how, one, how you shared what you shared and whether or not that person, as you shared, Katie, is in a position that they can help you or not. Mm. And that's where we read so much into situations. 
I suppose and also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. Um, and then I suppose that, I mean, that's a form of sabotage if you have had a interaction or an extreme exchange that didn't feel quite right and it keeps coming back to you, playing in your head, you know, creating a worry. Um, you know, sometimes it's just picking up the phone and saying, look, you know, is everything cool? I just felt a bit of tension there. Um, you know, any anything that you felt coming from me or, of course, it depends on the situation. Um, but just by taking that responsibility and having that conversation, if it keeps reoccurring or that tension's definitely not just a one-off, et cetera, um, then it, it just clears things too. So there's a whole new opportunity. Yeah, fabulous. So unless, um, there's a, f a couple more minutes. If anyone had any other questions, if there was anything pertinent to you as we wrap up this this time together, please um, pop them in the, the chat box so we can address those specifically. I just wanted to say that the next presentation discussion is on September the 19th, and um, that's talking very much about self-doubt and nerves and how they can kill your mojo, basically. Uh, so oh. if you did want to <laughs> join us That's for that, good. please book in because we all like to have a healthy mojo. Um, so you do have to register for that episode. And this episode, if you did have to leave at any stage, is recorded. So you'll be getting the recording if there's anything that you wanted to revisit. That's so Lucy, great. is there talk anything? <laughs> Sorry, talk about nervous tension. That's going to be perfect to, to, to say how that might come in through the self-doubt and the nerves. What a great follow-up. Yeah, true. So in this time until um, that episode, you know, reflecting on what are your flavours of sabotage? How do they present to you? Um, just exploring that a bit more deeply. And, and you also have the opportunity, if you'd like to revisit anything, we can do so um, on the 19th of September. Unless there's anything else, Lucy, from your side? No, I've loved the conversation. It's 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 something that I really hope people will get that pink piece of paper out and do a blue sky plan of your own lives. Do some strategic planning, long-term, mid-term, short-term goals, what they are, what they have been perhaps, and just revisit it all and sort out that diary. Yeah, sounds good. So just checking in, are there any other questions before we close? Nope, just a, just a positive feedback that it's been great. Okay, well, thank you everyone for participating in the Parents of Work Balance and Wellbeing discussion on self-sabotage and addiction. And we look forward to having more time with you in the future. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Lucy. Bye, everyone.